0: Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of uh, Jonah. <clears throat> I know that you guys are very uh, familiar with the story, uh, but the book of Jonah, we, uh, <clears throat> as Christians, we often talk uh, about, you know, the Bible being completely different uh, when you compare the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, and in some respects, there's, you know, definitely some truth to that. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see God as a man of war. Amen? Amen. Uh, we see God taking vengeance time and time and time again. Uh, we see God demanding justice. Uh, in the New Testament, we see God as loving. We see God as a father figure, a good father figure. Uh, we see God as uh, long-suffering and forgiving and all those other attributes that, uh, you know, that we like to think of in association with God. Um, but I want to go back to the Old Testament here this morning and uh, take a look at, at God and see what one prophet definitely knew about God in the Old Testament. Uh, so to start off with, let's take a look in uh, Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, I'm just going to read some of it just because, well, I, I hope this is not the case. I pray this is not the case, but uh, there's a possibility this may be more Bible reading than what some of you have gotten in the last couple days. So here we go. <laughs> that was a joke. You guys aren't laughing. Now, you're, now I think you're guilty. It was a joke. It was supposed to be a joke. I'm sorry. You never know where you're... (laughs) Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah uh, rose up to flee to Tarshish from uh, the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship uh, going to Tarshish. And uh, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, and uh, to go with them unto Tarshish from uh, the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a, uh, a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And the mariners were afraid. Uh, Navy guys, by the way. <laughs> The mariners were afraid and cried, all the marines were down there just taking a nap and snoozing and they had their M16s with them, everything was good. (laughs) The mariners were afraid and they cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea uh, to lighten it of them. Uh, But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper, arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we uh, perish not. And they said, "Every one to his fellow, come and let us uh, cast lots, so we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast, cast lots, and the lot fell, of course, we know, on uh, Jonah. And then down in verse 17, we read this. We read, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then we get to chapter 2. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God out of the fish's belly, and he, cri- and he said, I cried by reason of my affliction. Um, In chapter 2, what we're seeing is we're seeing uh, Jonah in the whale's belly, and that whale's belly is a picture, a type of of hell. He cried by reason out of uh, mine affliction unto the Lord, and he he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. There's that connection. Uh, Jonah made it for us. That's why uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ was on this earth talking to the Pharisees and Seth, he said, uh, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given uh, except the sign of the prophet Jonas. And certainly enough, he was in the, uh, in the belly of the earth, in hell for three days and three nights. Um, <clears throat> for thou, verse 3, for thou uh, hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, uh, all thy billows and, and, and thy waves passed over me. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet... I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my, about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth, with her bars, was about me uh, forever, forever. Wow. Yet, <clears throat> yet hast thou brought me up? My, yes, hast thou brought up my life? Excuse me from uh, corruption, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered. Uh, the Lord and my prayer came unto thee, uh, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I couldn't leave that verse out. <laughs> and then you get into verse three, in verse, uh, chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. You remember that? Preaching, uh, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So uh, Jonah finally arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Uh, now Nineveh was a, an exceeding great city of three days journey. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh, down in verse uh, 5, believed God and proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. And then we get to chapter uh, 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Now we get to my main text for uh, this morning. Uh, <clears throat> in, in thinking about everything that's been going on with Jonah, and, uh, but yet what he knew about God. We get to verse 2. Jonah 4, chapter 2 says this. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before thee unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil." The prophet Jonah in the Old Testament, like I said, we typically make a great big division between the Old Testament and New Testament, and I understand why, and and there's good reasons why, Uh, but the prophet Jonah in the Old Testament understood this about God, even in the Old Testament, God was gracious, God is merciful, God is slow to anger, God has great kindness, And sometimes, just sometimes, God repents of the evil that he has planned to do. Now, as much as I would like to uh, touch on each one of these attributes this morning, uh, I will refrain because we do have fellowship and food after this, and we have a baby shower to get to, so there's not time to go into all of those points. Uh, But I do want to look at one attribute of God in particular this morning, and that attribute is simply this, mercy. Mercy. I want to look at God's mercy. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for a chance to be here on a Sunday morning. You are a great, a mighty, and a holy God. And Lord, as as your prophet Jonah knew, uh, Lord, he certainly wasn't a perfect man, but he knew this much about you. He knew that you were uh, a God that had mercy. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to think about that, ponder that for a little while here this morning. Maybe uh, come to understand it a little bit more than, than what we have in the past uh, and Father, most of all, we pray that you would be merciful to us. Uh, we certainly need it, and uh, we beg and ask you for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mercy. Now, most of you know what mercy is. Mercy is uh, compassionate or kindly forbearance shown to an uh, toward an offender, uh, toward an enemy, or other person in one's power. That is uh, when you're in control, when you're in charge, when you're the you know the big dog. And uh, somebody messes up and somebody does you wrong, you choose to be compassionate towards them. That's mercy. You don't have to be. Maybe they don't deserve it, but you choose to be compassionate and merciful towards them anyway. Um, another definition is the, the disposition to be compassionate or forbearing. That is, um, you know, if you're merciful, you've developed a, a habit of operating in, a, in an attitude uh, towards other people, an attitude of mercy. That's a great place to be, all right? Uh, you've uh, developed the habit of being compassionate. You've developed the habit in your character of being long-suffering with other people. Um, you have developed the habit of putting up with other people's mistakes. Putting up with other people's failures. Putting up with other people's shortcomings. That is mercy. Amen? And uh, we as Christians, we're called to be merciful. Like our God is merciful. We're supposed to be like Jesus Christ. Uh, Unfortunately, unfortunately in this world, uh, mercy is becoming almost non-existent when you get out away from church people uh social media is a a prime example uh just about any opinion that you take just about any post that you make just about anything that that you uh you know you write down inevitably there's going to be somebody out there who's going to be trolling you right trying to drag you into an argument drag you into a fight Uh, or there's going to be somebody out there who just flat doesn't like what you say and they're going to be flaming you you guys didn't think i knew what those words meant did you That is, they're going to come at you and they're going to attack you personally, right? Uh, Which is one of the reasons why I don't have (laughs) faceplant. I just really don't want the harassment that I know I would get when people find out what I really believe. (laughs) It's just much easier that way, trust me. I can smile on Sunday mornings instead of frown, amen? Uh, But people are ready these days at the drop of a hat uh, to harass, to bully, to insult, and to attempt to destroy just about anybody uh, these days, especially if they disagree with them. Um, You know, people have somehow gotten to the point uh, in, in today's society that they feel it is almost their duty to hunt down and kill anyone that doesn't agree with them. It's crazy, and it's having a terrible effect on people. Ladies and gentlemen, this this lack of mercy that we see going on in our society is having an awful effect on people. Uh, You take um, uh, Kevin Rees, 10-year-old, 5th grader, died by suicide after being relentlessly bullied by his classmates. According to his mother, his classmates wrote on his tablet, kill yourself, you don't belong here. Merciless vicious 10 years old now uh, talking about Kevin Rees uh, Ali Salas a, a child counselor uh, said this she said it's becoming unfortunately quite an epidemic it's not just here it's all over uh, Saul said that um, she sees four main factors in her young patients pressures at school social media problems at home and bullying I would say bullying and social media kind of go hand in hand She said this, she said, it's rampant in schools. Then there was a case of Mackenzie Adams, age nine, fourth grade student in Alabama, uh, who died by suicide by hanging herself in the bathroom after months of relentless bullying by her classmates. Why? Uh, Because uh, she was driven to school by a white family and had made a white friend. And they harassed her about it to the point that she killed herself. How about Seven Bridges, ten years old, fifth grade student in uh, Louisville, who died uh, again, hung himself after uh, you know continuous continuous harassment. He had been born with uh, some medical problems, and he had to have a colostomy bag. And the, those kids at school just just drove him to the edge no mercy how can you not have mercy on somebody like that i don't understand no mercy no mercy how about uh, uh shawnee davis fifth grade student in colorado who died after uh, being bullied in school she uh, wound up getting in a fight with a girl she was having some difficulty with uh, somebody recorded that fight uh put it on uh the, the internet and everybody saw it and kept harassing her and harassing her and harassing her And she too, ten years old. Ten years old. How about Tony Rivers? Tony Rivers. She was eleven, sixth grade student, uh, who shot herself with a gun after being bullied. She told her friends, "I can't take the bullying anymore." How has this world gotten so bad that nine, ten, eleven-year-olds? have to deal with this kind of stuff i'll tell you how they've forgotten they've forgotten one of the major attributes of god and that is mercy right they lack mercy i mean it's not just children that lack mercy how about po- in the political realm right how much mercy do you see in the political realm especially from if the person that you're talking about is in the other party Zero. It, never, it didn't used to be that way. It is now. What's going on? Our society as a whole, not you guys, I hope, our society as a whole is lacking in mercy. One of the major attributes of God. Um, here's uh, another example. You've, uh, I'm sure you've heard the term of a cancel culture. What is that? It's just a way to show a lack of mercy. I mean, one supposed comment that somebody made 20 years ago, and all of a sudden they're out of a job, because that comment is racist. And it just so happens if you want to get rid of somebody, you know, for personal gain, all you got to do is call them racist. What is that? Lack of mercy. It's happening in the kid, with our kids. It's happening with adults. It's happening with our leaders in the political realm. You know what the Bible says about lack of mercy? It says this in James 2.13. It says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. In other words, all these folks out there that are showing no mercy, guess what? The Lord doesn't take kindly to it. The Lord holds them responsible. Mercy is one of the attributes, one of the attributes of God. And you and I as Christians ought to be striving to be more like God as this world tries to be less and less like God. And in one of the ways that they're being less and less like God, unfortunately, is they're being less and less like God by leaving off mercy. Jonah knew this much about God. You can you can say the Old Testament was God being wrathful and vengeful and all that, but the prophet Jonah understood this much about God. He understood that God was a God of mercy. Amen? That's why he fled to Tarshish. Because he, he really didn't want anybody to get saved. <laughs> but you and I, folks, you and I, we're the light of this world. You and I have a responsibility. You and I have a, you know, a... a uh, an obligation to be and show more mercy than what we're seeing out there in every aspect. Why? <laughs> well, that's, what the, that's what our Lord did. That's what our God did. Um, I'd just like to mention a, a few things about mercy here this morning and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. Um, but I, w- I would like to say this. First of all, uh, talking about When you come to talk about God's mercy, there's a couple of things I want you to know about it. First of all, God's mercy is uh, abundant. It says in Psalm 86, 5, For thou, Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Uh, one of the things that you will find, ladies and gentlemen, is there is no shortage of mercy when it comes to God. Amen? Now, people don't realize that, people don't think about that, but you and I ought to know that. Uh, Psalm 86.15 says something very similar. It says, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Um, uh, Abundant. Abundant is uh, fully sufficient. Found in copious supply. I like that definition. (laughs) Uh, In great quantity. That's how God... That's, the, that's the, uh, the level of mercy that God has in great quantity, overflowing, richly supplied, wealthy, wealthy possessing in great quantity. That is, that is mercy. That is our God's um, uh, attribute of, of, of mercy uh god's mercy is abundant in quantity there is a whole bunch of it and it is abundant in quality there is nothing like it listen when you get out there and and you begin to to find and and get close to god and you begin to go through some struggles and trials and and you realize you get to the point where you realize you know what god had mercy on me (laughs) you realize there is nothing like it in the world ladies and gentlemen somebody should be able to offer you 10 million dollars or god's mercy and you you and i should all be smart enough to say i'll take god's mercy amen Amen? ten million dollars is nothing compared to uh to having the mercy of god there's nothing like it um it's far better than any riches that uh that you and i could you know could hope to to acquire in this life and for any of you uh you know dispensational bible students out there that are looking for appalling epistle reference ephesians 2 4 How's that? It says this. But God who is rich in mercy. We find over and over and over again, too many times for me even to, to even quote um, how God is rich in mercy, plenteous in mercy, has great mercy, abundant mercy. Uh, God is, is known as a, a, as a merciful God. Now, I don't claim to have nearly as much mercy as God, obviously. But I have on occasion been led, or sometimes forced, uh, of the Lord to be merciful. I remember, it was years ago now, maybe I've told you the story, but <clears throat> I remember uh, when Teresa and I just started taking the, the teens to camp uh, up at Chatech, when it was still at Camp Chatech. Uh There was um, a family up there, and they had four boys, and those boys were big, man. They were big, huge, just, right? Um... And, of course, you know, we're playing football. And, of course, it always turns into tackle football when you got a bunch of teenage boys out there. And and these, um, uh, you know, these, this one particular kid was about, I don't know, 18, 19 years old, probably weighed about, you know, 180, 190 pounds. He was just a, I mean, just a rock-solid kid. And, and I was out there playing football with him and enjoying it, having a good time. And I noticed this guy's, you know, intentionally going out of his way, and just slamming these little 13 and 14-year-olds who weigh about, you know, 110 pounds. And it's, I mean, to the point where it, it was really getting on my nerves. It's like, no, 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 no. Come on. You're, you're 18 years old, 190 pounds. I'm sorry. What, what is the point of slamming a 110, 15-pound little kid in the ground? What does that make you feel like a man? Um, so anyway, that was going on. And I got my IR up and i uh <laughs> I confronted him about it, right? I kind of put him to shame. I mean it, he didn 't scare me uh, <laughs> and <clears throat> I you know kept playing, and I kind of kept my eye on him, and he kind of backed off a little bit and I thought, okay, and I happened to see a missionary over on the side of the field that uh, that I wanted to talk to, Brother Matthews, who happens to be pastoring in, in Green Bay now he took brother uh, took over for brother keck, but brother uh, Brother uh, uh, Matthews was home from Brazil and he was standing on the sideline. So I just, I kind of walked out of the game and I just, you know, the kids are playing and everybody says about, there's a few adults out there. I walked out uh, of the game, walked over to the sideline and I was standing here talking to Brother Matthews and I had my back to the game and I'd been standing there talking to him for a couple minutes. All of a sudden, wham, wham, I am face down in the dirt. (laughs) This jerk waited until I had my back to him, waited until I was out of the game, standing on the sidelines, not even paying attention, and he came up and just tackled me, plowed me from the back. I mean, he hit me so hard, I just like, wham, wham! And I'm down on the ground going, what on earth just happened? And then I realized who it was. (sighs) It took all I could do not to kill him right there. I was, I was hot, man. I was red. My temper was up. I was, ugh. oh, brethren. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm generally pretty good at managing my uh, you know, emotions, but uh, I was having a real tough time uh, with this one. And it was probably only because I was a pastor, and I didn't think it'd be a te- good testimony to kill a teen at teen camp. But if it hadn't have been for that, I, all bets are off. Uh, <clears throat> uh, if it hadn't been for that, you know, I, I may not be here today. I may still be in jail. I don't know. Um, but I looked over at Brother Matthews and I saw Brother Matthews' face and his eyes got about this big around and he had this, oh no, he's going to kill him look on his face. And uh, I, I, that's as close as I've come to losing it in a long time. <laughs> And that was about 20 years ago. Um, but, uh, but listen, it is true that God has an abundance of mercy. And you and I ought to have an abundance of mercy. Amen? Um, Dr. R.C. Sproul, he's a, kind of a famous you know, a Bible scholar, pastor. He's a college professor. And he, was teaching, um, uh, he was assigned to teach freshmen... Uh, survey or introduction to the Old Testament. And so that was his class. And he stood up in front of the class on, uh, the, on the first day of class and he was explaining his expectations. And, you know, he said he had to go into great detail because, you know, students typically try to wiggle around and, and gain any kind of, you know, wiggle room that they can. Um, and so he went into to great, t- great, great detail and he made it very, perfectly clear that there was going to be, uh, you know, three two- to three-page papers due on the 30th of uh, September, one due on the 30th of October, and one due on the 30th of November. And that if they were late, you would get an F. Well, he made that very clear. Uh, September 30th rolls around. He's got a class of about 250 students. He said uh, 225 of them turned their paper in on time. And the other 25 were sitting in there kind of shaking in their boots, terrified, begging and pleading for mercy, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we didn't, sorry, professor, we, we didn't manage our time well, we're, we're freshmen, we just got out of high school, and, you know, this is, college is all new to us, and there's so many things going on, and we're taking so many classes, and one excuse after another, after another, after another. Uh, <clears throat> would you please give us just a couple of days to get the paper in? And he acquiesced, had mercy on him, and he said, okay, I'll give you two days. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. October 30th rolls around. Only uh, about 200 students turn their paper in, and 50 of them are late. And they pleaded and begged, and he granted them two extra days. November 30th rolls around only 150 students turn in their papers. <laughs> and all the students got to the place where they kind of became nonchalant about things. And he looked at one student named, you know, uh, the stereotypical Johnny, and he said, uh, Johnny, where's your paper? He says, hey, prof, I'll get it to you in a couple days. And he looked at Johnny and goes, F. He looked over at Jimmy. and said, hey, Jimmy, where's your paper? Jimmy says, uh, I, don't, I don't have it done. Dr. Sproul looked at his book, grade book and said, F. At which point Jimmy pops up and goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not fair. Dr. Sproul looked at Jimmy and goes, hey, Jimmy, um, wasn't your paper late last time? He said, well, yes. He flips back in his book and he goes, I'm going to give you an F for that one, too. <laughs> He said, if you want justice, I'll give you justice. I'm changing your grade for the last paper. Anybody else want justice? That's how we get sometimes with the the Lord's mercy. Sometimes we take advantage of it. Amen? Listen, God is abundant in mercy. But folks, mercy is mercy. You don't have a right to demand or expect it. It's God's goodness to give it to you. Amen. You and I, you and I ought to be abundant in mercy. Let me continue on. Listen, not only is God's uh, mercy abundant, but God's mercy is available. It says in Hebrew, Hebrews four sixteen, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy. That we may obtain mercy. Listen, uh, you can obtain mercy, obviously, for, for your salvation. Uh, Titus three five says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy has he saved us. Right? It is his mercy that, ca- that allows us to be born again. It is his mercy that allows us to have our sins forgiven. It's not because we deserve it. It's because of God's mercy. He's abundant in mercy, but that mercy is available to us. Right? Um, Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, um, if you've never trusted him and you've never taken advantage of that mercy, listen, there's only one option for you right now, and that is an eternity in hell. Eventually, eventually, God's mercy will come to an end, and God will require judgment. Now, you have an opportunity right now to get in on the mercy. If you're lost, if you've never been saved, listen, you have an opportunity right now to receive God's uh, free gift of salvation that he paid for your, for your sins some 2,000 years ago on that cross. You have an opportunity to par- be a partaker of his abundant and available mercy. It is available to, me, to you. But if you wait too long and you die and leave this world without having taken advantage of that mercy, it is no longer available. If you wait until the Lord comes back and raptures us out of here, guess what? It's no longer available like it is right now. If you're, uh, if you're lost here this morning, um, take God's mercy. You know what you ought to do? Just shut up, zip, zip it, and bow your head and say, Lord, I need your mercy. I don't, deserve, I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve to have my sins forgiven, but I want your mercy. And God, who is abundant in mercy and makes it available to you, he'll give it to you. Amen? He's just looking for an opportunity. It says in Romans eleven thirty two: 32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Amen? God's desire is for everyone to receive his mercy. You know the verse, 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord's not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish. Why? Because God's a God of mercy, and He wants to give you His mercy, and He makes available to you and I His mercy. But some people, some people still choose to reject and not take advantage of His mercy. God's, listen. God's mercy is abundant, and it's available for your salvation. And listen, not only is it available for your salvation, but after you're saved, sometimes you get yourself in a jam and you don't know where you're going. Uh, Maybe you're listening this morning, maybe you're saved and you're struggling with, you know, could be one of a thousand different things. Maybe you're in some serious trouble. You got, you got things going on that maybe nobody else even knows about. Um, Maybe you feel like you're losing the battle. Well, let me tell you something. God's mercy is available to Christians who are struggling and in trouble too. Amen? I mean, God has a desire to make mercy available, not just for salvation, but ladies and gentlemen, for and you know this, for our everyday lives. He's just waiting on you to, to go to him and say, Lord, uh, have mercy on me. Can you give me a couple of extra days? And God's a merciful God. This world has lost uh, that attribute in so many different ways. You see it time and time again, but, but we as Christians... We should never lose the attribute of being merciful with one another and certainly never lose uh, our understanding of how merciful our God is. Now, you shouldn't expect it and go out living your life planning on taking advantage of it. But it's good to know how available that mercy really is. Amen? Micah 7. <clears throat> Micah 7.18 uh, says this, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. <laughs> That's the God I want. Jonah knew this about God in the Old Testament. Jonah, I mean, we, like I said, we have a tendency to think that God was so harsh and so mean and so you know, terrible in the Old Testament. But, but the prophet Jonah knew good and well how merciful God was, even in the Old Testament. And you got to admit, I mean, when Jonah preached his message, which is a kind of a pretty harsh message, and he didn't really didn't put a lot of heart into it, uh, and that city turned around, God had mercy on Nineveh. Amen? God repented of the evil that he was going to do to Nineveh. Now, in this case, in the Bible, evil is something bad happening. For example, he was going to kill them all, and that's counted as evil. Not sin, God doesn't sin, but, but when something bad happens, that's counted as evil happening. Um, and, and God, uh, you know, God made that, that mercy available even in the Old Testament. Even in the Old Testament, when we think of God being being um, vengeful and demanding justice and being harsh, and we see that happening over and over again, you know good and well that things had to have gotten to an extreme point for that to happen because God, in general, as his attribute, is merciful. Amen? Haven't you found that to be true? I have. When I look at my life and I see where I could be, where I see how things could have gone wrong. It's many, many, many different points in my life. And I know God had his hand in there and he interceded. And he took care of me when, when I wasn't even trying to take care of myself. God's been merciful to me. Sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we miss it. We get to concentrating on, you know, what didn't go right. We forget about all the things that didn't go wrong. Amen. Because there's a whole lot of things that could have gone wrong that didn't go wrong. God is merciful to me. And that mercy is there, obviously, for salvation. But it's also there, Christian. Uh, It's also there for your, whatever situation you're in. Um, Brethren, uh, I would would say this. I would challenge you. I would challenge you. uh, If you're going through something right now, take your problems to the Lord. Call on it. I mean, sincerely, with a sincere heart, go to the Lord, the best you know how, and and call on the Lord and say, and pray earnestly and fervently, and, you know, beg the Lord to basically just do this, show you some mercy. (laughs) I'll bet you he does. Why? Because that's his character. That's his desire. He delights in it. He's looking for an opportunity to, to, to give you mercy. Right? We're the biggest hindrance to not getting it. We don't look for it. We don't ask for it. Or we reject him. But you, you take, take me up on it. Go to the Lord and beg him for mercy about whatever you need. And see if God isn't faithful and true. Amen? Amen? And then you and I make sure that we learn from that and make sure that we continue as Christians to be merciful one to another. And even merciful to the outside world when they come and slam you in the back and you find yourself face planted in the ground. (laughs) Amen? It's not always easy. (laughs) But yet we're called to be merciful. We're called to be merciful. See if he doesn't answer you. God's mercy is abundant. It is available. And I'll wrap things up here. We're getting down towards the end. Finally, finally, uh, you, you need to know about God's mercy that it is abiding. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.16 says this, "Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all suffering, for a pattern to them which should, uh, which should hereafter believe on, on him to eat life and... Everlasting. One of the things that Paul found out about God's mercy is that it is everlasting. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you trust Him as your Savior, and you know what? That transaction is everlasting. God has had mercy on me when I was a seven-year-old boy, six, seven-year-old boy. And when I asked Jesus Christ to save me, the Lord had mercy on me. I didn't even know what I was getting myself into completely. I just knew that I needed to be saved. I knew I wanted him to save me. And you know what? The Lord had mercy on me. And that that mercy has lasted for uh, 52 years. And it'll continue to last for another thousand, million, ten million years. Ten million years from now, I'll be up in heaven, have a new body. That'll be great. I'll be flying around in the stars again. I'm going to be scuba diving in the great deep. I love it. I'll be up there, and you know what? I'll still be having. I'll be having a grand time thinking about the Lord's mercy that He had on me. Why? Because His mercy, His mercy is abiding. It lasts. Amen. When the Lord forgives you of your sins, listen. That thing, that thing lasts. Uh, to abide is to uh, to remain, to continue, uh, to stay. It is to have one's abode. Uh, it's a, a, a dwelling. It's to reside. God's, God's mercy resides in me, which is probably the only reason why that teen kid isn't dead right now. <laughs> uh, to abide is to put up with, to tolerate, to stand. You know what God has to do with us when he has mercy on us? He has to put up with us. <laughs> that's something. Think about that. Would you put up with you? <laughs> Sometimes I look at myself and I go, well, I go, honey, why do you put up with me? <laughs> but the Lord puts up with us. He tolerates us. You know what? He can stand us. What a great what a great testimony to his mercy. He looks at wicked sinners like us, people who fail left and right, people who I mean, You know, we try and we fall down. We get up and we try and we fall down. We get up we try and we fall down. And, you know, sometimes things go well and sometimes they don't go well. And the Lord's just consistently abiding with us through thick and thin. It's one of his attributes. Mercy. He delights in having mercy. And when he sees us fall, he picks us up and he goes, you know what? (laughs) Brushes us off. Gets us all situated. There, head on down the road again. I know he's going to fall again in just a second, but... You know, I love him and I'll have mercy on him again. (laughs) That's the Lord's attribute. The world doesn't think that way. You look at what's going on in the world and you see this. There's not much mercy out there. But you know what? There is with your Savior. There is with your God. You say, what's the point of even trying to be a Christian? I'll give you a good point. God has mercy. (laughs) They don't have it out there. But God has it. His mercy produces life everlasting. John 14 says, uh, 16 says this, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you, you know, only if you don't mess up. (laughs) That's not what it says. The Holy Spirit abides with you forever. Why? Because God's merciful. And when he chose to forgive you, it was forever. Amen? Listen, when you accept God's mercy at uh, salvation, it is everlasting. Philippians 1.6 says this. It says, being confident to this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. How long? Oh, only for a week or two. No. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the Lord comes back and gets you out of here. When the Lord decides to perform something in you, listen, he'll perform it, and he does it, and he does, it's it's abiding. His mercy is abiding. That's just one attribute of God's character that the prophet Jonah in the Old Testament knew very well about. How much more should we know it in the New Testament when we get to see the other side of God as well as the, the Old Testament side of God? God is a merciful God is a merciful God. John 10, 29 says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. He said, listen, those people that I've saved, sorry, nobody can take them away from me. I got them. They're mine. And nobody is strong enough to take them out of God's hand. God has mercy on me to the point that he's holding me in his hand. And you know what? I am safe and I am secure there. Not because I deserve it but because he is a merciful God and his mercy is abiding. It's abiding. Ephesians 4.30, you know the verse, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed. Until when? Until the day of redemption. God's mercy seals me. Listen, and I'm, and I'm done. Um, talking about a world we live in that is lacking severely, in this one attribute, mercy. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to our Lord God, God's mercy is abundant. I mean, it's plenteous. He's rich in mercy. He won't run out when you need it. Folks, that's the way you and I ought to be one towards another. And quite frankly, towards a lost world. God's mercy is available. I promise you this. If you're going through anything, or I should rephrase that, I should say, when you go through something, listen, the Lord's mercy is there, it is available, and all you need to do is ask. Seek it. Call upon him. He delights in giving mercy. It's just one of the things he likes to do, especially to his children. Amen? God's mercy is abundant, it's available, and as we just finished up, it is abiding. His mercy will last for all eternity folks, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, 10,000 years from now, you're still going to be abiding in his mercy. What a, what a glorious thing that is. I am so thankful for this one attribute of God, mercy. And when I look at the outside world, I see what happens when it's missing and I don't like it. So I want to make sure you and I never forget this attribute. Amen. Mercy. Mercy. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for, for being our God. You uh, have shown, uh, you've shown us great mercy over the years. You have taken care of us in situations where, quite frankly, we didn't deserve to be taken care of. Uh, but your mercy uh, shone forth. And it certainly, um, uh, Father, certainly got us, got us out of some jams uh, where we could have really gotten in trouble. Uh, Father, I know this. I know that uh, I don't know the situation of each and every individual uh, here this morning, but I know that as a general rule, that we as Christians, we, uh, we go through times where there are struggles, there are trials, and Father, we need your mercy. And I pray that you would uh, uh, help these folks to realize just how abundant it is, just, just how much you delight in giving mercy. And Father, when we go through things, help us as Christians to turn towards you as a, as a first resort, not as a last resort. And then Lord, as we we see how you deal with us, help us to learn to deal that way with one another and then even with the lost and dying world who needs a a good example of mercy because, Father, that's something that this world is severely lacking in. And so I just ask you to help us to remember these things, Father. Be merciful to us. Uh, We're sinners. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.